to the Yeshiva Show with Dove and Mo. I'm David Friedman, Fast Me Yeshiva High School, class of 2003. And I'm Mo Eisenberg, class of 1996. Dove, here we are again. Yes, we, here we are again. I and feel like we're here a lot. We are here a lot. It's like, it's like... Like you Dove. go 20 years without being in the Yeshiva <laughs> and then you're there every week. I've literally been in the basement Medrash more during doing this podcast <laughs> than I have in, in 40 years of high school. That's for sure. It, it smells good today. Is there like food in the basement? Or you know, there was something going on. There was something going on because a bunch of guys were here. So something something exciting must have been happening. It was the learning. It, it must have been the learning. <laughs> Always. Yeah. But you know, I got to see you. I popped into the basement. I just a, we was here a few minutes early. I got to see Rabbi Olstein. And I uh, that's really cool. I invited him to the podcast also. So he said he would love to do it. And it's always great to see Rabbi Olstein. He's fantastic. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, so uh, here we are once again in season two. Season two. Working, uh, hearing from faculty. We've heard from uh, a few different rabbis so far. Yes. Um, but this one today, I think a, a real special guest. Um, and actually, we're doing something a little bit different today. We've had alumni on the podcast. Right. We've had some faculty on the podcast. Today, we're, uh, we're doing both. We are. Uh, it's exciting because uh, we, we've talked about it and we've mentioned it and we saw it in New Jersey uh, uh, reunion, and we see the Rebbe Talman relationship and how that how that goes beyond high school. Um, and uh, it's it's cool to have someone here who was my Rebbe for Ivry freshman year, actually. Also mine, uh, Rabbi <laughs> T Haskell. It's great to see you. Hello, Rabbi Haskell. How are you? Thank God, fine. Good. And uh, and uh, one of my very dear friends um, and alumni of the Yeshiva class of 1997, uh, Jonathan Moskovich. Jonathan, how are you, buddy? Good guys. How are you? We're doing good. we're doing good. This is exciting for us to, to be able to have you guys. Um, I want to jump right in, so let's start talking. Uh, Rabbi Haskell, you came to the yeshiva when? I think of September of ninety one, but okay. I'm not sure anymore. Okay. Where were you bef- prior to Skokie? I was in San Diego, and I moved here for the weather. <laughs> Clear, clearly so, and, yeah. I feel like in, in our in our Chicago podcast, we have like a group of guys who graduated like. Um, like 10 years ago, the Chicago event podcast. Right. Like, it was like a yeah. group of guys. And he's like, we had like eight guys from San Diego and they lasted <laughs> one year. Right. <laughs> so San Diego, and then you came to Chicago and, and you were, t- and did you, did someone, did you know about Skokie Yeshiva? How did you even, how did that happen? Uh, it's an interesting story. Before I came, still in Eretz Yisrael, a man named Usher, Rabbi Usher, anyway, Rabbi Usher something. Um, when I was still uh, uh, in Colon Eretz Yisrael, he said, you should work in Skokie. <laughs> I looked at him, I said, okay. Uh-huh. And at that point in time, I was on my way to San Diego. Oh no, before I was even thinking of San Diego. He said, you should work in Skokie someday. Yeah. I looked at him, I said, okay. And then I got to Did you San know what Skokie was? I, vaguely, <laughs> vaguely, because I met some of the fellows who had been there, such as Barish Kardash. Okay. Barish right. Kardash was in Eretz Yisrael. That w- this is all happening in Ner Yaakov. Okay. I was in a kolil that was attached to Ner Yaakov. Oh, I, wow. Not really. Well, let's put it this way. We asked permission to drink the coffee, and we were told no problem. 
<laughs> That's okay. how attached we were. Okay. Uh, somebody described us as an audiovisual tool. In the well, well, let's put it this way: Could you hear the the radio blasting from the Nerjag dorms? At that point in time, no. <laughs> okay. But that was my first exposure to going to a. Uh, I was standing outside. This is before phones were very common in Ertisro. So yeah. I'm standing outside, and there's a 18, 19 year old young man that he's talking to his girlfriend about bringing <laughs> his friend and her friend to uh, the, to a common meeting place. I go over. I am shocked. I just came out of the White Tower right. of Mirror. Right. And I'm shocked by this whole conversation. I don't say anything. And I go to his rabbi, and he says, don't worry, I'll take care of the whole thing. And I said, how are you going to do that? He says, I'm going to get him stone drunk before the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and he's never going to go. Uh, so it was quite a step up to get the Skokie. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm, the way I'm saying it. <laughs> and at that point in time, that young man was not in Skokie. And at that point in time, then I go to San Diego. I'm there for one year. And uh, unusually enough, on my way for my visit, for my tryout there, yeah, I get on the bus to go. I lived close to Tachan America, the old Tachan America. Sure. I live close there. I'm on the bus in Eretz Israel, and suddenly there's a song that comes on the radio. It never rains in Southern California in the summertime. Okay. Now you're on your way to Southern California, <laughs> and all of a sudden you have this song, and traditionally accepted is that the idea of rain is the blessing from God. Yeah. And all of a sudden they say, it never rains in Southern California in the summertime. I said, this is weird. <laughs> and I didn't know what to make of it. And off I go and I got hired and I moved to Southern California. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then I get, uh, the, we get told uh, as of Pesach time, we get called in and um, we're told the yeshiva's closing. Oh, wow. So, okay, so got to find a job. Yeah. So I was, I sent my resume to all sorts of places, and one of them was here. Yeah. And your father told me that really I would not have looked at your resume. Mm -hmm. I said, because I had other resumes. He says, who, who are you? He says, except for one of the people on your resume walked in to his office, Rabbi Shua Lif walked okay. in, the Rosh Hashim of Nerjay. Mm -hmm. He walks in, and he's talking to your father. They were talking, as you would call, slave trade at that point. <laughs> if this story ends with his dad getting stone-cold drunk, this is going to be the best story we've ever had on the podcast. No, 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 no. And at that point in time, he says, okay, he says, I have this resume from this guy, Haskell. Yeah. And he says, what do you say about him? So he gave a good report. So your father gave me a call. And at that point in time, he called my house in San Diego, and then he called, this is happening. I got a call on Thursday night yeah. that I have a Sunday a, a Sunday interview in Skokie. And I had to get, and I, uh, I was in Denver interviewing at another school. And at that point in time, I went home for Shabbos, flew out Motze Shabbos, and then I came in Sunday morning, absolutely pie-eyed because I had been up most of the <laughs> night traveling, and I'm all ready to give my model lesson. Wow. And in the model lesson, cause the reason was because Rabbi Morgenstern was leaving soon. It okay. was towards the end of the school year. He was going back to Eretz Yisrael. Okay. His family wasn't here. He was going back to Eretz Yisrael, I think, 
or his family was here, but they 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 were going back. He was not going to be here at the end of the school year. Very end of the school year, he was not going to be here. So they needed to get this going. Right. And then at that point in time, I he said, I did something in the classroom that I have never done since. I never did before. Yeah. I misread Arashi deliberately. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I told the class, I said, okay, where did I misread it? Mm-hmm. And I said, and tell me why what I read makes sense and what Raji says doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And your father thought that was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And that's and then he also, one of the other things was, he asked me, uh, he says, um, he says, I like you. He says, why? He says, you didn't ask me about the A-roof. About the A-roof? Okay. <laughs> the A-roof was going up at the point. He says, uh-huh. why? He, now, I didn't know about that. I didn't know the politics of this. In West Rogers Park. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I did not know the politics. He says, so he turns to me, he says, I said, oh, they shouldn't put up an A-roof. <laughs> and then he looks at me, why not? Yeah. So I said, because you can never make an A-roof that's kosher according to all opinions. That's yeah. impossible to do. Once you get out of your backyard, you just can't do it. Yeah. I said, and then all they're, all they're going to do is just fight about it. Right, right, right. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I guess, uh, um, and therefore, but I got hired dis- despite that comment. Yeah. And then I was off to Chicago. Fantastic. And that's how I landed up here. Fantastic. And that was somewhere around 31 years ago. Wow. And, um, and you started ta- teaching Gamara and you also taught Eve Rate. From the very beginning, yeah. because your father, as I wanted uh, yeah, because you know, every teachers are always in high demand. Yeah, yeah, it's true. John, yes. my buddy. Hey, so, so the thing about John David that you might not know, and everybody asks you, you might not know this either. But, but at, when I was a captain of the intramural baseball team, the Mohawks, um, John and I made a made a uh, backdoor behind the smoking room deal here, where John was going to be my number one pick, uh, first round number one pick. Um, I'm usually the last round yeah. pick and the last guy to get picked. And that's team. because I had one thing in mind. I wanted us to look the best. I didn't care how we played. And John said, uh, don't worry. I know a lot of people. I can get sponsorships. And I picked John first. Do you remember who the sponsors that you got were? I don't. Okay. So first was Galaxy Construction. Perfect. My okay. old job. Right. And then we, your mom, I think, was working. Who, by the way, is awesome. And I worked you. with an NCSY mate. She's really she's. I'm gonna guess Bagel time. Country. She's awesome, and she was involved in Bagel Country or an owner of Bagel Country. Yep. And so we weren't the greatest team athletically. However, we had so much money that I don't know if you remember this. Our jerseys had to go back three times to spend the money. Because we had numbers on the back. Well, we had more money. So we sent them back and put numbers on the front. <laughs> so now we have numbers on the front and back. Well, we had too much money. Now we had to double stitch the numbers. And we kept sending the jerseys back. And then after every game, we had cases of water and bags of bagels. And it was, we were the team to be on. Trust me, it wasn't about the winning. It was about the partying. And and uh, John lived up to that. But John, tell me about your your um, tell us about your your high school experiences. In other words, a little bit, let's go back a little bit beforehand. Airy Crown, Airy okay? Crown. So from Airy Crown, a lot of guys probably like my class. A lot of guys went to Skokie. Ninety uh, percent of my class from Airy Crown went to Skokie. Two or three went to Ida, Ida Crown. Yeah, a couple went to one or two went to Towson. The others went to various yeshivas around the uh, country. Yeah, and so is this where the relationship with Ray Haskell started as a freshman? Um, Rabbi Haskell started as a freshman. Okay. 
He you, was he was the world's best guesser. <laughs> and still is. He, still guessed, is. <laughs> he guessed his way into middle Ivrit or high Ivrit in ninth high grade. Ivrit, yep. In ninth grade. And I was definitely at the low end of the scale. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> he, yeah, you are the world's best guesser. See, I still remember uh, Rabbi Askel's Ivrit class. Go yeah. Lee Charlie. <laughs> so these are the things we had in our class and i still remember from almost 30 years ago yeah and you know it's things that have that certain rabbi stick with you right and they stay with you and it's just an amazing amazing thing yeah and do, i do you remember the three conditions for borer no okay because you answered that on a torable question wow, wow. I'm you sure. Know why? Wow. Why do I remember? Because I taught you that. Oh, very good. There you go. Amazing. That the three conditions of butter is eating chicken with your fingers. Right. Still do okay. that to this day. <laughs> That's the three conditions of butter. That's and you amazing. got that question right, and everybody looked at you like. <laughs> How awesome. the heck did he get it? <laughs> but John, you you so you were in high school. You had you you know you had various. Is the summers you weren't you were working or you what did you do in the summers? You were part Summer of camp. Summertime. I was uh, when I was 11 years old. I told my mom I didn't want to go to camp anymore. Okay. Um, and actually, it was the year before I got accepted to Skokie Yeshiva. Um, Skokie Yeshiva actually made me go to Akayats okay. for a summer because um, I wasn't really on the derech. Okay. So they made me go to Akayats for a summer. Mm-hmm. Akayats was a complete total disaster for me. <laughs> <laughs> total, total disaster. They actually but I like how he said for me. That, that was good. That was good. And then I actually went to camp at a... Did they try to, like, blow off your hand during Color War? What happened? Well, no, I uh, didn't like going on the school tr- the trips that right. they went on, like the Kane County Cougars. Yes. Yeah, I remember it was one of the trips. Not going. Indiana Dunes. I did everything no, I possibly can right. to not go. And then towards the end of it, one of my fellow classmates... Were you born 45 years old? <laughs> <laughs> one of my classmates had a, had, an, had a cassette tape of Dennis Leary, the comedian. Okay. And... We were all listening into a room, and Yaakov Weil walked in the room, <laughs> heard the tape, confiscated the tape. It was very interesting. So I um, came into the, into the office. It was uh, it was Rabbi Eisenberg, Rabbi Morgenstern. I think maybe even Rabbi Wender was in there, and they all brought me in to ask me about the tape. I said it wasn't mine. They actually wasn't right here, Rabbi Wender. Wasn't Rabbi Wender? He was not here yet. And then they brought in um, Yaakov Weil, and Yaakov was like, "I don't know whose tape it was." I'm like, "So why am I getting blamed for this?" I'm like, why right. am I the one to take the fall? And they eventually just threw it out and accepted me into Skokia Shiva lovingly for a freshman year. <laughs> but I, 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 you, you've, I mean, I feel like you've grown like in the yeshiva. I feel like, you know, you were not, you were a popular kid. I mean, you had, you had friends in the yeshiva. I believe sure. you still have friends. Granted, you have tons of friends now. But I mean, in those years, um, I was telling, I was telling, uh, Someone yesterday, or the last time we did this podcast, I don't even remember what it was already. Um, <laughs> Give it, away. Might, it might have been yesterday. <laughs> sure. Um, that we were doing uh, with that the class of '95 and the class of '96 was close, and I also said the class of '96 and the class of '97 was close. We just within that year gap, it was it was interesting. So we were friends, but also you had you know you had friends that you still you know you still bonded with and things like that. Sure. '96 was, was um, Todd Stern. I was friends with Todd. That was '90. That was '98. It was '98. Sorry. Yeah. Right. '98. I was friends with Todd. Yep. Um, I was friends with Svee Rudolph. I was friends with you. Right. Yeah. We, we, we had a good kind of group of guys. Yeah. The high school at that point was, uh, it, we probably had 160 or something in the high school. And it was, Correct. it was a nice, it was a nice group and everybody, 
everybody kind of got along. Um, and, uh, you know, once you got into the mid-90s, the, the classes of the mid-90s, everybody kind of got along, which was nice. Gotcha. Um, so, was so John, post-high post school, yeah. we'll jump post-high school, okay? You, I mean, I think everyone listening here knows, like, you, you're the salesman, king of salesmen. Like, you're, you're the man, no matter what, what it is. And Sold um, me my Honda Odyssey. Right, right. And I think that, you know, especially as obviously part of Crossinger, part of Ziegler and things like that. I'm curious if you can talk about how how that started. Like, how'd you get you were working at Galaxy, you mentioned before. How'd you end up in, in the car business? So I ended up in the car business. Actually, it's quite funny because it all started with Skokie Shiva. So every Friday afternoon, Phew. <laughs> every Friday afternoon, we went to the JCC on Tui for Jim. Right, that's right. right. We went. Yep. Taekwondo. Taekwondo right. and everything like that. Yep. And I used to not go. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> and I used to go to Grossinger's on McCormick, which is where I work now. Yeah. And I used to bother the daylights out of all the salespeople. Just and I became friends with one of the salespeople because I loved cars. Okay. Cars was always my thing. Mm-hmm. And I made friends with one of the salespeople who's actually the director. And I always stayed friends with him. And when all my rich friends came about that they were turning 16 and needed to buy a car, yeah. I always referred him over to him. Finally, after I was working at Galaxy Construction, you know, doing odds and end jobs all throughout high school, and then it won. You I held the record for cold calls. I held the record for cold calling. Well, what, what do you mean? I, I was a telemarketer. Yeah. Wow. But what was the number? Oh, it was over five thousand calls. Oh my goodness. But no. But the point for is, what? how many people? The, right. He, he was able to. He was able to get to hook guy, in. to get the guy to go out to look at right. the house and, 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 and buy buy home remodeling. I was. Literally dialing off of a phone book. Wow. And I made, and I did a great job selling. And I never wanted to sell. You know, I never, never was even an idea right. for me. So finally, after graduating high school, um, and I was still working at Galaxy Construction, mm-hmm. um, I went in with my brother to buy a car. Mm-hmm. And the guy offered me a job. And I says, well, you know, what does it pay? Right. And he offered me a ridiculous money. Yeah. And I says, I'll quit my job tomorrow. When did you go to school? Where did school? Listen, I went to school part-time. Mm-hmm. That was down? It was a part-time thing. I went to college, and I did uh, two years downtown. I did two years up north, and I graduated. I got two bachelor's degrees. Wow. I got a bachelor's degree in sociology and another one in criminal justice. Wow. And when you when you talk about um, sales, is it something that just came naturally to you? or Always. Yeah. You're either born salesman or you're not. Right. No, I agree with you. And to this day, I, you know, it's all a learning experience. Who sold who sold cases in Ari Crown? Listen, well, I, most kids sold boxes. Listen, my favorite right. story about selling was going back to Ari Crown days for the world's finest chocolate. Yeah, of course. So on the corner of Tui and Cicero, which is now a Toyota store, it used to be a Dominic's. That's right. So yeah. I used to go, and I always got the catalog for the world's finest chocolate. Yep. And I always looked at the back of the catalog. If you sell the most amount, you get the bicycle right, right. or the pool table, something crazy. Right. I would just eat the chocolate and get in trouble. Right. Perfect. My mother's like, wait, no, wait. That wasn't but, what you were supposed to do. I literally took 150 boxes. Yeah. And I took it. My mom would scream at me, what are you doing? Right. Because she'd be responsible if right. not. And so what I did is I took them and I put them in my little red wagon and I took the red wagon and I went into the Dominic's. I put my key on my head and I put my arm in a sling and I literally sold boxes of chocolate. Put your arm in a sling. Put my arm in a sling and I sold every box of chocolate there was. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, and then one day I had like two boxes left. I'm going door to door and I come across these college kids we're probably partying way too much. Right. And they bought the rest of the chocolate <laughs> and threw me a $20 tip on top yeah. of it. I'm like, this is great. And I always got the biggest thing out of the catalog. It was great. All right. Do me a favor. 
Sell Skokie Shiva right now. Sell it now? Sell it. Well, here's the thing. I got thrown out of Skokie Shiva twice. <laughs> Not so once. So far, you're selling it good. Twice. <laughs> Tell us. I um I was thrown out originally in my junior year. My junior year went on a ski trip. Um, I may have brought some accessories with me, a little alcohol. Okay. A little uh, fun. That'll do it. That'll do it. Yep. And then me and another kid from my class decided we were going to take a few souvenirs from the school. And another from the thing hotel. that'll do it. <laughs> and that'll do it. Took a hair dryer, a coffee maker. I, I think, remember the I think clock maker. radio. I think we took a bunch of souvenirs, <laughs> this right? This is going to be the greatest sales pitch I've ever heard. <laughs> I got thrown out of school because it was a big hell Yeah. They said, it's done. But when they found out that- You weren't the only kid, one. I wasn't the only one. There was another yeah. kid in my class. Dang. And when they found out this kid uh-huh. um, also did the exact same thing. They only suspended him. They didn't expel him like me. Oh, man. So my mother came back to school and sat down with the Rosh Shiva and Rabbi Eisenberg. Right. Surely enough, I, my expulsion went to a suspension. Mm-hmm. And it was a three, two and a half month suspension. Okay. And I came back to school and I finished school. It was during Rabbi Weiss's class, I remember. Okay. And then finally I was done. So I went back to class, finished, graduated National Honor Society. You couldn't just sign a letter from her with that stamp that you had. Oh, I, oh, I had the best thing. <laughs> I had the stamp with my mother's signature. <laughs> and I wrote notes. Uh, Jonathan will be late, and I used my mom's stamp. My mom didn't know this. So my mom gets a phone call from the high school saying, did you stamp this? And my mother, the best mother there is, covers for me and says, Jonathan, don't worry. And she goes, Yes, I was in the shower. I couldn't sign it, so I just had him use my stamp. And my mom goes, you're such an idiot. That's awesome. So I graduated National Honor Society. I got some of those notes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. (laughs) I graduated Presidential Honors Award. Yeah, it's amazing. But let's get back to selling Skokie or Chevron. Yes. (laughs) I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for Skokie or Chevron. Okay. The education that I got, the people that I met... The religious background. Now, mind you, after graduating Skokie Shiva, I did go off the derech. I did. And I really wasn't, you know, very observant. I wasn't very community-oriented. And I went back to, you know, I went back to my roots. I wouldn't be successful where I'm at in my business, you know, if it wasn't for our community. Our community is great. It's wonderful. It's very giving. And we we all take care of our, each other. We do. We do. And it's an unbelievable community. There's no other community in the world like this. And people always come up to me. Now, mind you, I'm a nationally ranked salesperson, top salesperson for selling cars. You sell most, you sell more cars than anybody else in Ziegler and more than most three people together. Correct. I sell more than most dealerships do in a month. Wow. And people always ask me, how do you do so well? Yeah. And the first thing I do to make them laugh is I say, it's because I'm a Jew and I have the mind of a champion. It's true. It's true. And Ziegler is a German. Mr. Ziegler is German. Correct. Is there, oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> now, he's not a religious guy. never has been. He goes back four generations to wow. Germany. But miss, but I, I wouldn't be where I'm at if I wouldn't have the education, the background, yeah. and the community that I have behind me. I think that... Um, and a grandfather that has an unusual impression on your life in many odd ways. Rabbi Haskell was probably the only Rebbe I've ever come across that knew my grandfather. Mm-hmm. My mom's father. My mom's father was a very sweet old man. Uh, new, um, new shots by heart. Wow. So it's he wasn't a sweet old man. He was sweet. He was sweet, and he was a he was an incredible husband and father 
Amazing. That man was made out of iron. 100%. He was made out of iron. So Skokia should have made you... No matter what it took, he got it done. Correct. So Skokia should have made you learn a a paragraph Gemara before, over the summer. Okay, So when you came to school, you could start doing it. Yeah. Now, my parents are not a very religious background. My father doesn't know Gemara, but my grandfather does. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget the day freshman year I go to grab the Gemara. I go, Papa, I only have one Gemara. He goes, it's fine. Go. Start off reading. So, mind you, I had to have my mom sit there because... My grandfather's first language was Yiddish. Okay. So English was a fifth language for my grandfather. <laughs> so Where's my, his background? From where? My grandfather was from Poland. Okay. And escaped Poland. And my mother was born in a DP camp in Germany. Wow. Um, you his, know. His grandfather had a wife and kids that they ran around during the war. It wasn't in correct. camps. Wow. It, it could have been a movie. Wow. So my grandfather, you know. Your, your uncle was born. My in, uncle was born here, also. In he was born in hiding. He was born in hiding, correct. Wow. So my grandfather literally, it was me, my mom, and my grandfather learning a parak of Gemara together. Amazing. Because my grandfather is sitting there talking in Yiddish. My mom's sitting there translating for me. And I'm sitting there, they always called it John Scroll before Art Scroll came out. I made a copy of the Gemara and I hand wrote the English translation in, wow. in between the little lines. And I did that all throughout high school too. Wow. Just so you know, you're. It's so interesting that you say that because I feel like, um, and Ray Haskell obviously has this relationship. And the interesting thing, the dynamics between the two of you, is that when you when you have a Rebbe and a Talmud, and their they their bond goes beyond high school and into life. I mean, John, you and I are in our mid forties already, and and you know, um, to be able, I we we talked in the past different rabbanim that different rabban that I've had that that I close with and I've, and I've schmoozed with and to be able to have somebody that you can call is, is a big deal and um, I, I just want to know I guess from from both of your perspectives how, how has that relationship been able to to uh, withstand the, t- the test of time really so far yeah so it came around about 10 years ago and I'll never forget the day um, 10 years ago I had a ruptured brain aneurysm mm-hmm. so I should have been dead I a blood vessel ruptured in my brain and I survived. And I was out of work for about three weeks. And the day I came back to go back to work at Grossinger, I walk into my dealership and I go to my office. And standing outside my door is Rabbi Haskell. I wow. visited you twice a year. Twice a year? <laughs> all he was, the years. What time? Was, and I never asked you for money. No, never asked me for money. And never asked me for donations. that's why I came to, I came, I said, this is all I can do. Correct. And he walked into my office. And sometimes I would meet your mother at the office, too. And we had interesting conversations in Yiddish. Wow. Wow. (laughs) And Rabbi Haskell was waiting for me. I go, it's my first day back from being in the hospital for three weeks. Are you you just here to check on me? He goes, stop by to say hi. Yeah. And I knew right there that it was a simon of some sort. Amazing. And I had to, you know, this was, it's time to change. Yeah. It's time to grow up. It's time to, you know, literally, you know, Become a man. Right. Stop being an inconsiderate person. Start being more for your community. And it was literally after I got discharged from the hospital a week later that I um, reconnected with my wife. Yeah. I um, My wife, I've known her since she was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. We were friends for a few years. We stopped talking. Yeah. And then it was a week after I got out of the hospital wow. that um, we kindled a relationship and right. started dating until we got married. Wow. All right. Haskell, from your, from your perspective... Um, 
what was it? I mean, I guess you you had heard that John was in the hospital or something. What, what was it? That, no, I didn't no. know he was in the Really, it was just... It was the act of God. Wow. Yeah, I, I did wow. not know he was in the hospital. Wow, wow, I, But wow. it was just... The, I visited him twice a year, whatever was going on in his life, just to say hello. Wow. Is that... Is that, that that's, where did that where yeah. did that bond start? Did that start in Ivrit or did that start beforehand because you knew his grandfather? Like where where did no, this relationship or how did this grandfather grandfather relationship grow? I got to know his grandfather just from being around Chicago. I didn't. It's not an old relationship. It's not like he's my father's friend from Poland. But mm-hmm. it's somebody you noticed in high school. I well, you have to realize that due to the fact that I'm a, my parents are both survivors, I have a national a natural inclination to seek out and uh, seek out in. Um, Survivors, and as a survivor, deepest green is a kind. You're one of the. You're an immigrant son. I can tell. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means. But if you have to that generation, that's an odd compliment, <laughs> yeah. right? That means that means I understand you, and you understand me. I have a natural inclination for people that don't fit the box. You don't fit a box. I don't fit a box, okay. and that's probably where that's that's where it comes. That's really cool. It I, really is. Did you have Rabbi Haskell as a rabbi in high school? Yes, oh, yeah. he did. Oh, yeah, Rabbi Kardash, Rabbi Haskell, Rabbi Weiss, and Rabbi Rand. Right, okay, I'm gonna have to good He's making, yeah, he's really making up for the night satyrs that he missed because I right. We just want to bring up that where were you in December after three weeks of not showing up at nights and two weeks of Say not showing up at nights. I finally said, Jonathan, have you been selling Kratzbuck trees? <laughs> and you fessed up. I you were selling Kratzbuck trees <laughs> down by the the lot was by the highway, right? <laughs> an, an empty lot was yeah, that I, thing even theirs? No, they just sort of plopped. We down. just plopped down and set up Christmas trees. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized, I said, where did this kid go every night? Listen, you gotta sell something, you gotta make money. Do you some, somebody that like looks around and sees? You mentioned about the community. I feel like everybody in the community sees that. You know, oh, you want to get a car? Has anyone called John? Like that's the first, sure. the first line of defense when you're looking for a car. But I also wonder if you see like the need for giving back on, on your end, the, the tzedakah and things like that. I know you're about tzedakah, and I know that you've helped. Uh, Various organizations, Chicago Chesed Fund is one where you see your name and, and things like that. And I'm wondering if if you feel from someone that sees it from a business end, have you seen the the community? Have you seen the community um, kind of step up in a tzedakah way? So right now, actually, my wife is a tzedakah. Well, she truly is. Yeah, she has a bigger heart than anyone I've ever met in my life. My wife took it upon herself about and five a smaller years. basement at this point in time. Correct. Uh-oh. Okay. So my wife. Uh, five years ago, took it upon herself to partner up with um, High Lifeline, High Lifeline Camp Gun Israel, mm-hmm. which is Lubavitch, and get a list of children whose families cannot afford to buy their children gifts for Hanukkah. Wow. Okay. And the list started off 200 people, 300 people, 500 people. This year, we're up to 750 kids. Yeah. My wife starts in the, um, February. And she goes out to Walmart. She goes out to Target. You want to know about she, that trouble she got in, in Walmart with the manager? Correct. She almost got a manager <laughs> fired. <laughs> because she's down. momish negotiating with them. Uh, you have $100 left. They're 50% off. Give me another 50% off, right. and I'll take all your dolls off your hand. Right. And my wife literally starts in February so that she gets a list from all these churches. This year we gained the ARC, Chicago Center for Torah and Chassad. Right. And it's a, literally she gets a first name of a child. Yeah. An age and a gender. That's it. No last names. Right. And she goes shopping for kids 
13-year-old boys, 15-year-old girls. Mm-hmm. A guy named Chaim Tzvi mm-hmm. right. is never going to have anything with his name on it. And my wife has a, a personalized machine. machine. She bought a, a machine, and she embroiders their name on it. Right. So you get a sleeping bag, you're a 10-year-old boy, with your name Chaim embroidered on You'll never see that in a store. Incredible. And my wife goes out, and she actually gets a bunch of people together several times. She's actually doing this right now till about 2 o'clock in the morning. And she gift wraps every single gift. And I'm not talking these kids get a, a set of Crayola crayons. Right. They get something of sustenance. Right. You know, hoverboards and, and toys and iPods and this and that. She, momish, goes looking for these deals. And I promised my wife, you know, my kids go to private school, everything like that. Mm-hmm. My kids go to Torah Academy in Buffalo Grove. Mm-hmm. I don't like fundraising. I cannot stand fundraising. Okay? But if you want to eat dinner at night, they're a project. Correct. So the only project I do is I do this Hanukkah fund. Great. And I call everyone in our community. And I, even today, I didn't even call this person. I completely forgot. And today I'm literally struggling. We've got a few thousand dollars left to raise. Right. And we're in the final, you know, hours. And a customer of mine, who remembered from last year, walks in my office today and literally slips me a check. Wow. And says, this is for the Hanukkah fund. And she goes, I know what your wife did, and this is pleased to help whatever we can. And I completely forgot. And it just warms my heart that somebody yeah. remembers this. But I literally go to every member of our community that I can think of that I have a relationship with. Right. You know, Mo, I went to you. Yes, you did. And I said, please help for this. Yeah. I'm like, because when it comes to children, it breaks my heart. Right. The one thing that I remember about Hanukkah is that we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So my parents tried to do the best they could for Hanukkah. So... Day one, I got a remote control car. Right. Day two, I got the remote control. <laughs> Day three, I got the batteries for the remote control. By the time it was done, I had I had a remote control. Yeah, an awesome toy. But I had an awesome toy, and it just warmed my heart that I got a toy for Hanukkah. Right. That's what I looked forward for on Hanukkah. And they, they, my parents, I got a, a 10-cent pencil sharpener. I was so excited about right. the pencil sharpener. Right. And it breaks my heart to know that there's children in our community that do not get a gift on the Hanukkah. It breaks my heart because Hanukkah is about family. Yeah. Hanukkah is about giving. And it breaks my heart. And our community is so, so generous. Yeah. They literally, there's guys who write me checks for $5. There's guys who write me checks for $5,000. Yeah. And they're just, we're just an amazing group of people that we literally can do this. And we give back to our community. And we take care of our own. And I got that started. Listen, I went to Ari Crown. It wasn't as close as I got to where I was with Skokia Shaba. I'm sure there are a few kids every in every class that don't um, fit in a specific box. So what do you what do you take from John? Well, one is that it's not as complicated as on my end as makes it seem. People who don't fit in the box, uh, you just have to somehow communicate to them. But it, it can't be. It has to be in the way you relate to them. That that's okay. But it's easier for me because I don't fit in a box. So I, 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 it doesn't threaten me. Rebbe knows how to relate to those people. Yeah. Right. It doesn't threaten me because other people are threatened. If you are a box person, which oh, there are a lot of them, and God made them that way, you feel threatened by people who don't fit into a box because you don't know what to do with them. Yeah. Right? You don't know what to do with them. Uh, it doesn't threaten me because, okay, you don't fit in a box, I don't fit in a box. And the other one is, um, think twenty years from now. Don't think now. There's no think twenty years from now. Think about what, what the what the 
where the people who don't fit in a box, uh, think 20, when you, when you talk to them, think 20 years from usually. Don't think now. Right, which just seems especially pertinent as a Rebbe because you get, you know, one year maybe teaching a student and the impact you can have is think, you know, how are they going to perceive you 20 years from now? Right, and, uh, and the teenage years are, I have a theory about teenagers. Um, teenagers have a, this is, this is psychologically true. You, your, your, your child mind and your teenage mind, excuse me, and your adult mind is absolutely different. There's actually different, same input lights up different places in your brain. A whole different reaction. Okay, teenagers are right in between. They are relearning that process. Their brains are, are basically, their, their adult brains are, re, are being rewired at that point in time. I think unusually enough, that's why, that's those teenage years. Yeah. I, 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 you know. They say that the, those are the most transformative years, and, and despite, you know, people have said that goes to college and things like that, but studies continually show that the teenage years, like what, what Ravi's saying, is that the transformative years are, are really uh, because the that, that yeah. brain is sense. being rewired. Yeah, it, it's you know, you, you, to some extent, you're the ducks that are following whatever they saw first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this has been this has been incredible. I mean, it's it's it's, it's really great to see that that again, um, Rebbe and, and a Talmud and and someone that that taken uh, again. I think you said it right. You know, doesn't necessarily fit in a box. Maybe, maybe neither of you. And uh, but, but you found this this uh, your niche, and you found it working together. And you're both you're both fine, upstanding uh, community members and people who give back in their own way, and people who who just uh, love Torah, love Yiddishkeit, and have a passion for it. I, I think we ask the same question that we ask all, all, everybody at the end, and I'd like to ask you guys the same question, which is: Yeshiva is celebrating a hundred years. And um, and despite the old joke that it you know could be a hundred years uh, every three years, it seems like it really is a hundred years now. And how do you see? It's thinking about how you look twenty years in the future. Um, I, I wonder if Skokie Shiva also doesn't fit in a box. I, I think that that oh, would be no, that's absolutely yeah. That's, and I and I wonder what what you both. I'd like to hear you both kind of um, what you both would hope for the yeshiva um, in the future. Skokie Yeshiva in the future. I hope it gets bigger. Yeah. More, more Talmuds. And, but when it boils down to it, this was the stepping stones to where I'm at today. These were the first two steps. And I wish that everyone at Skokie Shiva could see what I've seen. And I want them to also understand that, you know, the people that you're going to class with, the Rabbim that are literally molding your minds and teaching you the way, teaching you the derach, you know, I went off the dark, but I'm back on it. Yeah. And mind you, it may have taken me years, but this is the stepping stones. Right. I'd love to see Skokie get bigger. I'd love to see more kids go to Skokie. And I'd love to see the Rob Aim stick around for another 31 years. <laughs> <laughs> I will be at that point in time 104. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> no, excuse me, 94. I had a mistake. That's Rebbe, a math, we, math. Great teacher, Rebbe, not a math teacher. We will wheel you into the classroom. We will wheel you out. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. That's a beautiful uh, sentiment, John. Rabbi, Rabbi, what do you think? What do you think? I think we need to get back to the simple things that our best advertisement is a happy student. Our best goal is, and I don't mean happy because we wind and dined him. Happy because the kids said, I went to school 
I accomplished in school and somebody cared about me. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I hear you. I mean, I, I think you bring up a very, very valid point. And I, I think that at the end of the day, it's, it's you know, p- as parents, we want to make our sure our kids are happy. And as teachers, we want to make sure our kids are accomplishing. And I think really everybody wants to make sure they both they, they get they get both. And I think that you're right. I think that that will that will breed the success of any school, especially especially Skokie. <laughs> Guys, I wish you both a lot of uh, continued good health and continued happiness and a lot of uh, a lot of hatzlacha and everything that you do. Thank you for, for being such incredible members uh, of not only the Shiva family, but the Chicago community. We appreciate it. Wow, that was great. That was great. Unbelievable. Two people who really, uh, really just have have uh, been in the show for a long time. You wanted a uh, real episode. You got one, it. people. This is good. this is gonna be a good one. This is gonna be a good one. Dove, um, remind people because John asked me on the way out how how can he listen to this. Remind people how they can listen to this, uh, folks. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Music. We are or Apple Podcasts. We are on uh, Amazon Music. We are on Stitcher. We're on everything. All yep. the platform uh, at the Yeshiva Show. Just the Yeshiva Show. We're also, uh, if you want to send us your memories, we are at uh, the Yeshiva Show at gmail.com. That's right. The Yeshiva Show at gmail.com. We have a hopping Instagram. Once again, the Yeshiva Show at gmail.com. We have a hopping Instagram account (laughs) at the Yeshiva Show. We've got a less hopping Twitter account (laughs) at the Yeshiva Show. (laughs) Not as Uh, such. You know. We the Yeshiva Show might have been onto something with Twitter. I'm not sure. Okay. Find out. Right. Uh in any event, it's been a lot of fun, yes, folks. Yes, always. And a big thank you to our guest, John Moskowitz Rabbi and Haskell. Rabbi Haskell. We'll see you next time, Dove. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will.